On this episode of Long Riders Radio, we're going to talk with James Stovall about the Heart of Texas rally, Better Late Than Never. Riders, Justin here, back after a little little break. Not not intentional, but uh, you know, life just sort of happens sometimes. I've uh, I've been kind of busy lately between work and family vacations and the BMRX rally. Uh, so last when last we spoke, we were uh, talking with talking with Steve Chalmers, and I was getting ready to run the BMRX. Uh, I have since obviously run that. I finished third in the West Triangle and was really proud of that. Or as I'd like to look at it, I finished in first place in the class of riders not named Eric Lips or Matt Watkins. Uh, those those two guys were in a class of themselves and ended up tying in the in the rally, which for first place, which was pretty amazing. Um, a lot of fun watching watching them come down right right down to the wire. But I'll. Uh, I'm going to talk about that in a in a, in the next episode, and uh, we'll go into all the the gory details of my ride in there. But uh, for now, because it's been a while, this is actually an interview I taped uh, before I left on the BMRX back in May, actually late May, and it's with James Stovall to talk about the uh, results of the Heart of Texas rally. Uh, uh, Mike had talked to him uh, earlier in the year to see get the preview of the rally and now that the rally has had happened i talked to him again and uh, got some good stories of uh, things that happened on the rally so uh, without further ado let's get into the interview with james on the line we have james stovall from the heart of texas rally james how you doing i'm doing good how are you doing Justin? doing very well how'd the how'd the rally go it went really well i was uh really pleased with it um very pleased. Do you want to remind uh, remind the listeners about uh, kind of generally what 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 was going on with the rally, the specifics, uh, when it was, and uh, how many people were there, things like that. Sure. Uh, well, this year, uh, the Heart of Texas is usually known for just uh, a twelve hour rally, and this year we we jumped off and went to fifty four hours, <laughs> as well as using the twelve hour rally, and also um, I've had. Uh, uh, a, a great amount of good help, and and also had a cold rally master, uh, Byron Walters, who uh, really put together a, a, a fantastic uh, scoring method or program through Excel that really got us through our scoring real quick. He also was the uh, rally master for the 12-hour. He put this all together himself. And um, and put in some fantastic uh, uh, bonus locations for the 12 hour. And on a side note, I, I would like to say that the uh, Heart of Texas Rally for this year was dedicated to the memory of his uh, late wife Reagan. And uh, you know, we we celebrated her memory with uh, this rally and with T-shirts. So uh, everybody that rode knew that uh, you know we were 
widening the memory or photo memory of uh, Reagan. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I was, I was, I was happy to see that after after hearing that really, really horrible news uh, about Reagan. But, uh, but it sounds like it it went off well, and it was a, a fitting tribute. It, it really, it, it really was. Um, we had um, our numbers weren't very good this year. We we had a lot of people having to pull out for various reasons, and uh, we ended up almost the same for the fifty four and the in the uh, 12 hour with uh, 10 in the 54 hour and 11 in the 12 hour. Our last, the last minute uh, withdrawals were, were uh, very unexpected, but as a lot of folks know that when jobs and family uh, are needed, you know, uh, your pastime kind of goes to the, to the side and you need to take care of that so hopefully next year we'll be able to pick some more folks up and and uh, we can get our numbers up but other than that we had a fabulous ride you have good weather for had a fabulous. did you have well, good weather we had good weather for the most part very sporadic uh, there was a lot of rain and a lot of wind especially in the 54 um when folks went up north, um, the 54-hour rally was based on a five-state run, which uh, Texas, Oklahoma, Colorado, New Mexico, and Kansas. So, being in April, you kind of you need to know how volatile the weather can be in the uh, Midwest or the mid-central or mid-southern uh, part of this country. A lot of people ran into a lot of rain, and they ran into a lot of wind. And uh, in the 12-hour, they started out, you know, uh, in in some rain, and and they did have some good weather. But uh, coming in, they ran in and out of rain. But all in all, I think the weather was not too much of a factor for too many people. But uh, sometimes the weather was a little bit of a factor for a lot of other people. So uh, who were your winners in the 12 and the 54-hour events? Um, in our 54-hour, uh, our third-place winner was Billy Fultz, and I hope I said his name right. Uh, I'll spell it F-U-L-P-Z. He rode, uh, gosh, he almost put in 3,000 miles. He took on the five-state challenge, or the five capitals, uh, challenge and he really rode out some big miles to catch her capture that our second place team was john and nadine which was our first place two up and they were our second place overall and they ran our seven regions of texas and plus they put in um some big numbers when they captured all the uh, uh texas heritage signs which pretty much will follow the second regions of Texas, plus a lot of other little bonuses that they were able to pick up. And then Jim Orr, he threw away his planned route, and he took on our all-or-nothing challenge with their unique bonuses. And by doing that, he was able to come out as the top rider. Uh, that was... Um, the all-or-nothing challenge was something that I sprung on them at the, at the riders' meeting, 
and they, uh, you know, that was, there were big points to be had. And uh, Jim took on that challenge as well as another rider, which we'll talk about later, that uh, by doing so, he was able to come out with the, uh, with the big points and, uh, and a fantastic ride to win the 54. In our 12-hour, we had a gentleman that this was his first rally, I believe so. His name was Fred Kissick, K-I-S-S-I-C-K. And he rode a fantastic ride going into the east and down to the south to pick up all the bonuses that he could. And then Nelson Degado, uh, he came in second, and uh, he had a big ride. And then we had a tie between two gentlemen, uh, Tim Mahoney and Tim, uh, and I'm going to screw up his last name, but I'm going <laughs> to give it a shot, Hayos, H-A-Y-O-S-H. These gentlemen, they came in a, in a um, there were three of them that rode together, and um, they rode, let's see, I remember right, they did a saddle sore from Phoenix, Arizona, all the way to Fredericksburg and made it in time for the riders' meeting uh, Friday, uh, Friday evening uh, to catch in on uh, some of the special uh, extra bonuses that Brian had put together. And um, out, of the, out of the three, two of them were first place. The third place uh, gentleman that was with them, well, he kind of, you know, he left some points on the table. And, you know, that's all that can be said about that. But he still had a good ride, even though he, you know, that's, that's part of it. You know, you, you've got to read the, the fine details and listen to what the riding master's telling you when, when the instructions are, were given out. But these guys put in a fantastic ride and had a great time. Okay, so you mentioned there was someone with an, someone else that we'll talk about with the all or nothing. What's the story there? Well, I had a gentleman named uh, Lonnie McCoy, and he was doing the all or nothing. Now, I'm going to digress a little bit. When uh, we got together that evening, um, you know, I, I sprung the all or nothing. And then that morning, before everybody left, I sprung on the beer worm, and I sprung on uh, the uh, Reagan city limit sign, which I doubled the points on the Reagan city limit sign if that was your very, very first bonus location that you picked up. And then if you went to Shiner and brought me back a six-pack of Shiner's prickly pear beer, which is a summer seasonal beer that they make from Shiner and brought it back to Fredericksburg by 1,800 hours uh, Thursday, then I would give you an extra 5,000 points. So between doing the Reagan and doing the Shiner, there was 1,100 points there that, uh, that could be picked up. And uh, Ronnie took that challenge, and he did it. But he also decided he wanted to do the all or nothing. Now, the all or nothing is a, um, it was a ride which was based on geocaching. 
you had your first, there were seven geocaches, and the first one was a, uh, the clue for that one was for Sergeantsburg. And we had taken a picture of that, my wife and I, and we had set that picture inside the lobby of the motel where everybody was staying. So everybody that checked in walked right by this picture. <laughs> so, the, so there's the clue to the very first All or Nothing Challenge. Unbeknown to anybody else, they never did realize what it was. And when they came back and they said, well, where's this picture at? I was like, well, go in, in the lobby. It's in there. <laughs> and then that's when, you know, it's one of those things you never do expect it, but, you know, it, it was hidden right under their nose. So after you find that location, then you find the next location and the next and the next and the next. But if you had done the shiner, if you had done the Reagan and you did the shiner, I gave you a pass on the fifth location of the all or, nothing, all or nothing. So in other words, you now instead of picking up seven, you just have to pick up six. Hmm. So I have laid these out all over the state, all the way up with locations in Oklahoma, Texas, New Mexico is, there, is where they were. And Lonnie had decided that he was going to do it, and he was on track to, to catch them all. And um, he got down to where one was located in the Big Bend area, which is uh, right there on that the, the highway of uh, Fort Davis, the, the same highway going to the McDonald Observatory and the rest of it. And he got down in there, and he was going to locate the geocache there. And uh, he had parked. And as the story goes, he had parked, and he was going to go over to the location. Well, that's when he noticed a animal, and this was at night. An animal was down there in this in this um, area, and that animal turned out to be a cougar. Oh God! <laughs> and this yeah. So there he was. He was stuck between his motorcycle, the all or nothing location cache. And the cat. <laughs> so he said for two hours, he watched this cat devour whatever he was eating and not allowing him to move from this one spot where he was at. He couldn't get to his motorcycle. He couldn't get to the geocache. He could only stand or sit, I think he was over there by the um, park bench, uh, and watch his cat for two hours take care of whatever it had caught and eaten. So he was kind of stuck in a hard place. So he, after losing all this time, he gave up the all or nothing because he didn't realize, he didn't know where the other, the last and final all, all or nothing uh, location was, be, was going to be. So he had to make that decision that he had to get back to uh, the headquarters, rally headquarters before the uh, end of the rally. So... We now call Lonnie the uh, Cougar McCoy. Yeah. <laughs> I think better to finish better to finish the rally than to be the that Cougar's next meal. Yes, and he did have uh, he was um, he could have if he could have got to his bike, he probably could have uh, taken out his uh, um, his uh, uh, his pistol and and shot some rounds up in the air, but he couldn't get to his bike. So he was stuck. There he was. 
So, uh, and he did say, you know, those things are a lot bigger, a lot closer in life. Than, you know? I, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> so that, it was very fortunate that Lonnie was able to, to uh, write out the big cat's uh, meal and then proceed on. And, and that, that was the best. Uh, but for him to tell you that story, you know, it was just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, I remember he, he called me that. He called me that morning. And he told me this story, and then when he came back, he, you know, I remember most of it. That was pretty fantastic. But I can believe it, being down in the big den. Yeah. So do you have any sucker bonuses? And if, if you did, did anyone actually pull off getting one? Well, we did. Ha- I had one sucker. I had a few sucker bonuses, actually. The first sucker bonus that I would think that nobody would really go after was the uh, – the uh, Senate of the United States, uh, Continental United States, 48 states, up in Kansas, way up north, I, I've been there. the Nebraska <laughs> line. Yes. Uh, That's Billy a long Trill, way out there. Yes, Billy pulled that off. He, um, I had put uh, bonuses in the uh, five capitals of uh, Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Colorado, New Mexico, and Texas. And if you he had gone to Topeka. And then from Topeka, you know, he could have come, cut across right on 70 and went into to Denver. But he chose to go all the way up there, and he picked up the, the, uh, the 48 states uh, monument there. And the second one that I had that I thought would have been really tough, because you have to walk into it if the gate's closed. Now, if the gate's not closed, you can get around and you can ride up to the ranch house and you can go to it. And that's the geometric center of New Mexico. I had a, a gentleman. Uh, he had done the another five-state type uh, uh, big bonus, which was called the roadside art. There was uh, roadside art in each uh, state that I just had mentioned. And he also went to the geometric uh, center of the state of New Mexico. Now, if the gate was open, you could go through, you could ride all the way to it. You'd go by the ranch house and then take the two-track trail right up to it. But if the gate was closed, which was, for this gentleman, he had to walk three-eighths of a mile to that location one way. And if you've ever been to that location in New Mexico, uh, which is uh, south of Vaughn, um, there's no trail. There's just a gate you go through and you walk across this ferry. And you can see it over the rise that you would lose it as you're walking. So you pretty much have to uh, get your, your point of reference and stay with that point until you found the uh, geometric center of New Mexico. All right, well, without naming any names, do you have any memorable DNFs in this rally? I had one DNF, and it was very unfortunate that um, that this happened. It was in our two-up in the 12-hour. Um, they had a flat down around, uh, oh, and I'm, um, down around LaGrange, mm. and... Um, a spoke had come loose and punctured their teeth. Oh. So the bike 
yeah, it was it was it was a it was a it was a tough deal for this gentleman and his son. They they had uh, they were so forward looking to it, and they were they had a real good route. But um, that kind of stuff happens, and you know you you got to prepare for it. Uh, he did everything. He had some good Samaritans helping, and he had uh, uh, he had called me, and you know, and I, of course I've. You know, there's not much I can do because I'm in the middle of uh, of scoring and everything, and that's where, you know, it's very important for everybody and anybody that that uh, does long distance and rallies that they have roadside assistance. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had to use it myself, uh, and, and I know a lot of people who have had to use it, and, and it's just very important. I mean, it's uh, if you anytime you you, you go and 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 ride any type of long distance. A roadside assistance is is a is, is a must, and, and that's about all I can say. But he was able to get a car, rent a car, and he got back to Fredericksburg, and he then he was able to. to get and everyone car. was safe, so that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah, yes, he, he, you know, he was safe. We had, you know, there was no other problems other than this gentleman. Uh, everybody else was able to ride out uh, uh, their their plan and ride a good ride. Our 54 hour guys, they I think they averaged, you know, from um, the the from almost 3,000 to you know uh, 2,200 miles. Um, our 12 hour guys, they rode between seven to 800 miles. Wow. Um, yeah, and the pace. it was, uh, yeah, you know, and in a 12 hour rally, you know, it's a whole different story, you know, 54 hour rally, you can, you know, you get your first one and then you got one or 200 miles before you get your next one. And you got a chance to, to settle in 12 hour rally. It's, you've got to go. It is, it is intense. It's, uh, you know, it's, you, you can plan your route. And one little bottle will put you back. Yeah. And, um, and uh, whereas a 12, you know, compared from a short rally to a long rally, a short rally is, is I guess, would be your 40 yard dash, whereas the, you know, the 54 hour rallies would be more like your one mile run. So, you know, you get a chance to settle in a little bit. Whereas a 12 hour, you don't. You, you're, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of decisions to make uh, quickly, and the wrong decision could get you down the wrong path and, and uh, really put you off your ride. So you mentioned a little earlier that uh, about next year you you got your dates picked out and everything for next next year's rally. Uh, yeah, next year, like as as always, we're going to be the last weekend of April. Um, as it stands, we'll probably go back with a fifty-four hour rally. Um, as a as a big event, and then um, and it's something between that uh, Brian and I are, are deciding, but it looks like uh, we're leaning more to a 24-hour rally as our shorter rally uh, for the heart of Texas. So that will uh, definitely be uh, that will be something more than just a 12, you know. Um, also, we're going to be in East Texas. We're going to get into the Piney Woods. We're looking at locations of either starting in Natchitoches 
or maybe Palestine or even Lucky. Uh, we are also looking at going that probably into Brown Station. So, you know, we, we're, it's all about uh, the motels. It's all about uh, the facilities and, and food and everything. I, everybody loved Fredericksburg. The Hill Country is, is fabulous. And, I mean, we were really, it, uh, it really was a, a good experience. But, you know, we're ready, we're ready to move around a little bit and get some new areas for people to go riding in. Have you decided when you're opening registration, or is it going to be around the same uh, time as last year, November 1? Yeah, last year, uh, November 1st, we're going to open up registration, and by then we'll have uh, our location, our uh, base location set down, you know, so uh, reservations can be made and, and plans can be made uh, for the heart of Texas. And then uh, remind me, because I can't remember, uh, with the, in your rally, you get the rally packet in advance, correct? Yes, we will be giving out the packet within uh, two weeks of the ride uh, for the 54, uh, the 24. We may even do that, too. It, it's, uh, it just depends. Um, but, yeah, we like to get that out to everybody. And then, yes, of course, we will explain a little, a few things on riders right before uh, uh, they head out. But, you know, we like for guys to get a good night's sleep and uh, think about what they're going to do and, and have their plan. And then, you know, we like to shake them up just a little bit, not too much. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when they get out there, then that's when their decisions have to be made. Um, you know, you can plan a ride a month in advance, but when it comes down to it and you got to go ride it, uh, uh, sometimes those plans can change real quick, whether it's the weather or or whether it's road conditions or you know, you think, well, gosh, man, I got this done. I think I can sneak down and go catch this and then go get that. It's it's all about rallying, and everybody knows that. It's it's uh, it's it's the the fun of of uh, and the challenge of trying to find the best route. Sounds good. Well, hey, James, thanks for uh, talking to us again, and uh, we'll touch base with you again for next year's rally. Well, we'll be glad to talk to you, Justin. All right, thanks. Thank you, sir. Hey, thanks again to James for uh, for his patience and <laughs> waiting for me to get this episode up. So I'm guessing a lot of you out there in podcast land are also follow, following the IBR like I am. I've been viciously clicking uh, F5 on my uh, keyboard to refresh the page on the spot wall page, see where everyone is at. Um, what I'd like to do for a future show, if... Uh, if I can make it happen, is to get someone on from the IBR. Catch is, I really don't know anyone who's involved in the Iron Butt Association that well, but I'm guessing a lot of you out there in podcast land do. So if you could shoot me a uh, email at longridersradio at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at, uh, at longridersradio, um, maybe put in a good word for me, let me know who I should talk to. I was thinking... Uh, uh, I sent an email to Chris, who did the uh, who's the scribe, but I'm guessing he's kind of busy right now. Uh, so if anyone knows anyone out there can put a good word in for me, let me know. And uh, we'll try to get someone from the IBR on to talk about it. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for this episode of Long Riders Radio. We'll be back next time with uh, my ride report on the BMRX. And got a couple ideas for a couple uh, interviews coming up that I'll try to get in the can as soon as possible. Uh, but and 
at this point in the show, we always need to thank this program's founder, Mr. Michael Cox. You know, Mike has a lot of time to travel now that he's uh, now that he's not doing the podcast anymore. And I asked him, you know, Mike, how do you decide where you want to go? And he said, It's all about the motels. It's all about uh, the facilities and and food and everything. Rides safe, everyone. Till next time. <laughs>